Saints for a touchdown. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the 2022 season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak coming at you inside Black and Gold. Getting you ready for a 4-9 NFC South showdown with Ivan A. Falcons. But you can sweep them. That's my whole little victory you can get this week is you can sweep the Falcons. Yeah. Yeah. Fun stuff. Bad teams playing bad teams. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Uh, But, yeah, we're going to talk about the Falcons game. We're going to talk about the matchup. We have Bo Morgan, the – Bo Morgan, the – executive producer of Atlanta Falcons radio network and host of the peach tree football podcast. He's going to be joining us later on in the show, but we also got to catch up with, Eno Benjamin in the locker room today. So we're going to get to that a bit later on. And we're going to talk about Alvin Kamara, another guy we talked to for the first time in a while. And he had a lot of interesting things to say. Um, so we're going to play you some of that, but first coach drew Brees, it's a thing in at Purdue. Where is Purdue? Indiana. Out in Indiana, the Boilermakers, Coach Breeze. He's a thing. He's an interim assistant coach. Is that exciting to you, Steve? That's exciting to me. Definitely. And then the key, though, like you mentioned right there, is interim. 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 But 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 wouldn't you wonder if like maybe maybe this interim coaching job is like, ooh, stepping stone. Maybe this is him getting ready to replace Pete Carmichael as the offensive coordinator. Wouldn't you wonder that? Wouldn't that be something you think about? I mean, I don't know if you could jump immediately into an offensive coordinator role. I think Breeze would be a great assistant on the offensive staff as a QB's coach, no let you know, at the least. Nope. We're diving in head first. <laughs> two feet in or two feet out, right? Except there is a problem, uh, because Drew Brees is on WWL radio today and uh he was asked exactly this and the answer was Gosh. um was not a uh you know, it was definitive, actually. I can say it was definitive, but it was not defi- definitive in the way that Saints fans were hoping for. Drew, a lot of your peers are getting into coaching. Uh, we saw Jeff Saturday jump in as an interim coach with the Colts. Is this? I know this is an interim basis now, but could this turn into not necessarily maybe something with Purdue, but uh, is this something that you're maybe willing to consider going forward as a long-term career opportunity coaching? No. <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is this is just this is just a short term thing, and and like I said, this this came about just with with uh, Coach Brom leaving, um, and us being in a position where um, you know we were trying to fill the gap, you know, between now and uh, after the bowl game. So no, Coach Breeze is not interested in being Coach Breeze for more than roughly a month, and trying to get Purdue to beat LSU who his sons are actively rooting for. So that's what you got. Yeah, that's a pretty bit of twisted, you know, interesting nugget to this whole story is obviously he mentions that his kids are, you know, South Louisiana, born and raised, and they've got that that bayou water. I think that's how he puts it, right? I don't know. I don't yeah, really he's got the, the bayou water, thicker than blood, whatever, something like that. 
Something like but that. He's got all his catchphrases. Drew Drew is one of those put a quarter in him and he'll talk. He'll talk and talk and talk, <laughs> you know, which, hey, I'm not complaining about it. But yeah, so he will not be the uh, offensive coordinator for the Saints next year. I know that there was a lot of, uh, oh, hey, oh, uh, it's not going to happen. Maybe I think I bet I think you could look at a, hopefully a offensive consultant. No. Come on. You wouldn't want I'm to just quoting with, Drew. like a new QB in there. I'm just quoting Drew. It, it'd be not, it'd be nice to have. He was hanging around Chargers camp. Why wasn't he hanging around Saints training camp? Drew's not coaching. No, but like I said, a consultant job. Why would he do that? Just because, like, just he's to make you happy. For, he's doing it for the Boilermakers, so so he's doing it for the Saints until they can get you know. When a the little Saints on their feet. fire Dennis Allen, Drew will come in as the interim for like the last <laughs> three weeks. And- no, 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 not an interim head coach. It's not going to happen either way. But so let's move on. It's not happening. But so that kind of brings you to the question of, so what about the guy who's in there right now? And I have questions about Pete Carmichael. I'm not sure. I've said this. I'm not sure if he ever wanted the job. It does, this offense does not seem very exciting. The one playmaker that you're like, you feel like, wow, this should be easy. Get him the ball. He's not getting the ball. Alvin Kamara has like the last five games, like the five fewest touches in his NFL career. He's not dealing with an injury as far as I can tell. And I think that there, to some extent, you know, it's it's a lot simpler in theory of like, yeah, get him the ball, get him the ball, get him the ball, get him the ball. Get him the ball. But like defenses are king on him. But so there's been a few answers to questions recently that kind of caught my ear. And this was one of them. This is what Andy Dalton said when he was asked about it yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say there's one reason why that hasn't happened. Um, you know, I think there's some stuff where we could probably get him the ball a little bit more uh, at times. And, you know, I think some of those situations where he was getting a lot, it's just check downs and different things. And where, you know, I feel like we've had opportunities to get the ball to, to other guys. And so, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say there's one reason why, I mean, he hasn't been getting the ball. So that answer bothers me. Because you're realizing that Andy Dalton sounds like Matthew McConaughey? A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> but no, but it's like, I get it. You're running back. He's kind of your the release valve all the time. So when things don't work, you're going to get on the ball. And so the checkdowns. And but that answer only makes sense in a universe where this offense is humming, and like and constantly you're like, wow, my first read is wide open, so I'm throwing it right. Blah blah blah. That's not what's going on. And so like, okay, like in a, if if you're not actively scheming for the running back to get the ball. Fine, yes, you might check down to him. That's where you're going to get a lot of his touches. But this offense isn't operating significantly differently in that regard from how it was with Drew Brees. The difference is he's not getting the ball. So you're either not scheming him open or you are not looking to him in instances where you should be. And so, like, the idea that, well, other guys were open and so I threw it. Like, that doesn't work when your running back is the star. Because it's like he can't be the afterthought in the offense. And and I think, But I think that's been the case way too much. And I think that's Andy Dalton kind of confirming that of like, you're not scheming to get him open. You're you're using him in the role that you would use kind of any running back, which I have a problem with that because Alvin Kamara is not just any running back. No, but even I feel like when we've seen him have his moments where he has been in space, he just doesn't have, he hasn't been in slow motion and been able to, to he hasn't been able to elude as many tackles, I guess, this year. I guess, but he's not in space. Like, when have you seen him in space? Like, that's the no, problem. There's, there's, there's definitely too much of, I feel, you know, you, you can only run him, him up the middle so much. 
But you think the screen numbers are so low, though? So low since you've been here by by a large, large margin. I'm gonna go SP after this. After yeah. this, I'm gonna go SP. Uh, I don't know. I think. I mean, I think. I think the screen game. I would count that as a pass. I guess like it's just hard to get those looks going when some of it is de- defense, some of it is scheme. So you know, it's 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 hard to call some of those when you know we might be behind the chains or we might have some some plays not going our way we might um you know it just might not be the timing like the timing is just isn't right for some of these screens so um but that's what I, that's what i would i think um attributed to just keep, keep keeping the oc hat on like you got six touches inside the opponents one to ten any, any reason uh, i i don't know I, I don't know i, I plead the fifth yeah are these conversations you're having, though, with, like, after games where it doesn't feel like maybe you got the ball as well as you should have with Pete or nah. even DA? I mean, I, we, we all talk, um, but I'm not – I don't think I, – I, I guess y'all can answer this question. I mean, y'all been around me long enough. I don't think I'm a selfish player. I think I – like, I, I just – I'm here. I'm available. Like, unless I'm hurt, I'm trying to do everything I can do to win, whether it's a decoy, whether it's I'll, – I'll put a headphone on and, and call a play if I have to, like – so, you know, I, I just, with me, I think the only times I really get, if, if we say frustrated, is like when I, when I feel like I'm not helping affect the game in a positive way, whether it's without the ball in my hands or with the ball in my hands. So if we're talking about getting the ball in, in between the one and ten X amount of times, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't get paid to make those decisions, but... When I do have the opportunity, uh, you know, I try my best to take advantage. Yeah. So, bravo to Alvin for not just openly being like, yeah, these guys are calling terrible plays. But, like, you can hear it where he's just like, I don't know, man. <laughs> why why, why are we running the fewest screens ever in my career? I don't know. <laughs> but it's like you can see the results. <laughs> it's... Is this offense is is just not not working? Uh, but at least because, not. does that also stem back to the the lack of confidence in the O line? No, because screens are not a product of you, you. If you were not confident in your O line, you would be running more screens. Like screens are bait. Like you're not asking the O line to pass protect. You're asking them to olay and then get downfield. So like that has nothing to do with what you, what you think your pass protection can do. Like the, they're they're playing like a team that feels really good about their pass protection, because because they're not running the ball and they're not doing anything to 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 counter. They're not doing anything to misdirect. They're just saying, okay, we're gonna sit back here and you're gonna rush and we're gonna block you um, with our statue quarterback. It's it's an offense that does not make sense. No, we thought they'd be more run based, and they just haven't been. I thought they'd try. They haven't really tried to be though, either. Some way. I th- I thought they'd try to use Alvin. That's like, you know, my wild, my wild brain thinking, wow, maybe Alvin's going to get his biggest season, uh, his biggest workload yet in a season where he's gotten his lowest workload yet. And boom, you lose Michael Thomas right away. So even more Alvin, Alvin, Alvin. It's inexplicable. It's inexplicable. And I get it. Teams are keying on him. But like, that's not the excuse. That can't be the excuse. For why Alvin gets like seven touches a game, like it's it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It's because we were screaming for other Taysom touches. But even in games that Taysom didn't really touch the ball, Al, like Alvin didn't really. It, it's like 
so if you had like Derrick Henry, the way they were operating would make sense, right? <laughs> but they this there he is not Derrick Henry. No, like right. So why uh, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. And like you could hear it in his voice. Like he's gonna be a good soldier. He's not gonna throw anyone under the bus. But <laughs> when he got asked about why they aren't calling screens, he was like, "I'll I'll ask Pete about that." <laughs> It's like, oh, do you have conversations about this? No. You know, there's a lot of things to criticize about this team. To me, the usage of Elvin Kamara is by far the biggest critique I have. And the, I think it's the biggest reason that you are struggling in to win games, right? Because he's a, he is a difference maker. The difference in the Saints have found is negative <laughs> throughout the course of this season. One of the quotes from Drew Brees in, in the interview on WWL is like, "This is a four and nine team. That's this is not a four and nine team, but they're four and nine. Right. And I thought that was a good way to put it because it's true. Like there's there's a very slim margin, and you need your difference makers to be the difference, right? Right now, the difference is in an, at the in, at a negative <laughs> because the difference is you are not using Alvin to your advantage uh, like you had in previous years. And so, to me, no, that's start, the biggest thing. You start thinking about the names to go along. You know, you know, you got Olave, Taysom Hill, uh, Jarvis Landry, and you're like. With with all these pieces, you think that the Saints would be ripping apart other people. I don't know. I maybe I'm overvaluing the assets. I don't I really don't get it. But to me, that seems like there's such an arsenal still here with a even with a Michael Thomas down. That's an opportunity. So I gotta take advantage of every opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Like now especially when you're talking about, you know, the the lack thereof, you know, I think I don't even how many touches in the past couple of games. Yeah, with, I mean, it's been, with, I think it's been like the five lost numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you talk, you, you see that, and when that happens, then yeah, yeah. you add a fumble in it. It's like, that shit, it, it damn near erases the, those couple of touches. It's like, man, those weren't, those couple of touches weren't, aren't what I'm used to. Then I get a fumble, so it's like double negative, you know. So um, just taking advantage of every opportunity and hopefully getting more opportunities, I think. Um I've been trying to run super fast in practice so they can see that I can run. <laughs> Somebody told me I lost a step. Uh, I seen some. My, my brother sent me a comment. It was on Twitter. It was like uh, Alvin Kamara lost a step. And they ain't playing playing good or something. So I just laughed at it. So I've been running fast, trying to uh, make sure I ain't lose a step. He he feels like he needs to run fast in practice to get the coaches to notice him. He was back. Our Alvin was back. We I feel like we haven't spoken to him in eons. I have. It was funny because he kind of just wandered over and you know the last time we had heard from anyone about him he said he wasn't talking to the media and he, kind of, he was on the phone he kind of just wandered over and he was talking i don't know he was talking to like someone about like an airbnb i don't know and he just kind of stands over in front like where he, we would usually talk to him and everyone was like oh is he is he coming over here to talk to us and uh i think it was ross jackson he was like are you are you here to, to talk to us or are we just crowding around you for no reason and he was like yeah don't blow it and hey and funny. yeah we, and we got the AK of old. It, I mean, I don't. I really can't remember the last time he actually spoke in the locker room. Yeah, and I can't even remember the, pre, the the what what someone said to him, but he was like, he was like, I got a case. <laughs> yeah, right. When he was walking out. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's yeah, funny. Well, I, well, that's the thing. It's like this market isn't gonna, I think, attack him on a weekly basis about something he's going to say the same thing down it's a it's an impending case i can't talk about i mean yeah it's it's not even worth asking about you know we'll get the updates when we get the updates it's not like he's gonna yeah what's the point of making him say no comment but either way we heard from alvin today you know maybe maybe 
maybe if he's running fast in practice, uh, Pete will notice and get him get him the ball. Then maybe maybe that'll work out. We're gonna but come back. We're he gonna. sounded really mad when his brother showed him the tweet. Yeah. Like he's like, Alvin Kamara lost this step. He's like, all right, I want to show you. So let's see. I'm, I've been like the biggest Alvin Kamara believer, and I've been disappointed this year. Yeah, he had to prove a point, so he ran fast in practice. <laughs> all right, we're, we're throwing it to break. Here on inside black and gold. We're going to come back. We're going to talk to Eno Benjamin for a minute. And then we're going to bring in uh, Bo Morgan, talk to us about the Falcons. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to, I'm going to try not to troll him too much. He is the host of Peachtree Football and, and the executive producer of Atlanta Falcons Radio Network. Stick around. We're back here on Inside Black and Gold. Another guy who's saying he's back. Eno, Benjamin, EBJ. So I'm going to call him. I'm going to make that nickname happen. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. And yeah, so we talked to Eno Benjamin, who looks a lot like Jarvis Landry. <laughs> I, I, I kind of got a struck by how similar those, those, those gentlemen are. But my first impression from Eno Benjamin, new running back in town, and I'm sure he's going to get some good run over the next four weeks. I don't know about this week. He's still learning the offense. But he seems like a guy who's happy to be here. And he said that at least four different times when we talked to him today. So that's nice. I mean, like, all, all I've heard about is always a, a malcontent. And, and he, like, forced his way up two different teams. But it sure looked like he was in a good mood today. Yeah, and I mean, the concern is obviously it's a guy I brought up last time that's been on now his third team this season. It's his third year in the NFL. But I, I got to find the exact quote. What really I, I showed you this earlier. Sometimes I'll, divorce is good. Oh, there you go. Right. The the quote from Lovey Smith is former head coach in Houston. And so we, you know, we, we talked about this too. It just might've been a situation. It's like, what, what the hell are you doing claiming me? I have no purpose here and you don't need me and I don't want to be here. So, and we're going to, we're, we're going to play the whole interview. It's only a few minutes. Um, but I, I genuinely think he wanted to be on the saints and the saints tried to claim him. Right. And the Texans were like, no, we want you. And then he got there and he was like, why the hell are you claiming me? This one in 11 team who wants to play Damian Pierce. Why am I here, guys? Tell me, why am I here? <laughs> and, and so he's not there anymore. And, and like, I, I would have probably done the same thing. So like, he's, I'm not going to hold that against him. Houston was like, I'm out of here. Well, like who wants to be on Houston right now? <laughs> Brandon Cooks is literally like, he doesn't even want to be on the team. They won't trade him. Like, that that is not a good football team to be on if you're a young player. Like so, I don't I don't blame him at all. Like I think the Arizona departure, like he probably could still be on Arizona right now if he just accepted the back seat, uh, but he wouldn't. So that I think that's kind of where you're at there. But he seemed like a guy who was was he was bubbly. He had a good and he was got a nice personality. I don't know why he wouldn't fit in in uh, in and wherever he was, but. You know, he, he did have some interesting things to say. So here is here is that interview. How comfortable are you kind of assimilating to this system, getting back on the field? With you guys? Well, just kind of really just excited for the opportunity to be here. Um, come in, just even learn behind um, Alvin Kamara, just a great back in this league. And so I'm um, definitely excited for the opportunity. Obviously, the Saints wanted you earlier in the season, and now this time around they get you. 
what does that do for you as a player knowing that they, they've been looking at you for a while? Yeah, it kind of just boosts my confidence. Um, and then at the end of the day, um, I guess just falling into the right situation is kind of the, the, the key thing. And so I'm just, like I said, I'm happy that I'm here and I'm ready to get to work. What do you think you're going to be able to contribute? To um, there's no say. Um, I would say just first of all, just um, coming in here trying to earn everything. Um, learning the playbook is one thing. Um, and so looking to maximizing all that on um, my time here in the rest of the season. Is there anything you'd say that separates you as running back, though? Separates me from exactly who? Anybody else? <laughs> um, anybody else? Um, I would just say my, the mental aspect, um, not even just the physical, but um, just kind of understanding um, things up front, knowing how the O-line's blocking it, their schemes and stuff like that, and understand what they're trying to do. So I feel like I'm, I'm just a, an extension of the offensive line. What's this season been like for you? I mean, now joining a new team into Week 15. Mm-hmm. I would say it's, it's definitely new. Um, it's my third year in the league. I've been in Arizona my whole time. So just kind of picking up and um, getting familiar with a new spot is something new that I have to do. But um, it's part of the process, and I'm looking forward to, to, to going through it. Alan, but what, what can you learn from him? Um, just everything, the way he does everything. Um, he's one of those guys that I've been studying for quite some time. I'm a huge fan of his game. Um, I even wear the, the arm sleeves, uh, the tape sleeves uh, because of him. Um, so I'm just kind of looking forward to um, seeing what all he what, what all he could do um, and what all he could teach me as well. So, and Just after how this season's kind of gone for you, like what's kind of the statement you're trying to make with this opportunity? I'm, I'm still a football player at the end of the day. Um, I, I didn't forget football. And so at the end of the day, I think it's just more so um, just waiting for the opportunity. Um, and when the opportunity comes, just being ready for that and taking full advantage of it. Can you can you delve into it all why you think this is your third team this season? Or um, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you um, specifically, but um, like I said, I'm glad I'm here. You know, if you go back, you know, six weeks, would you even have imagined that that night? No, no, no way. Um, but I guess that's just kind of how the league goes. Um, when it's when it's your time and it's your time to move on, you move on. And so I don't really try to look back at it too much, but just more so um, where you're going and um, how to handle that. And what is your top priority for making this, you know, the one that's a good fit? Like, I would just say um, I've known Joel Thomas and um, Coach T for a long time. Since I was probably 14, he recruited me out of high school at Arkansas. So I'm just kind of just getting familiar with everyone and everything here, um, being in a new city, being in a new state. So I'm just kind of looking forward to getting used to it. And just for, for, for perspective, you know, when you do go on waivers like that, is it kind of a, like a helpless feeling? Do you have an idea whether someone's going to claim you or not? Not um, necessarily. I mean, you have your, your team saying that or your sorry your agent getting calls from certain teams saying this and that but there's no certainty um i would say just looking at the list and just the way it went i was hoping that it would have been the same that i, I went to and so i'm glad like i said i'm glad i'm here so there there are two notes one i didn't realize until listening to this interview back that mike triplett and myself sound exactly the same if you go back and listen we alternate on four questions. He asked the question, and I asked the question, and he asked the question, and I asked the question. If you didn't know any better, you would think it was the same person asking all four of those questions. And the only reason I, I, I noticed this previously is that, so I have a program called Otter that transcribes my interviews, and it will actually recognize voices if they're, if like you title them and you tag them, and then like you hear it again, it'll actually put the name in of the person that it thinks it is. Like, I transcribe a lot of Brian Kelly interviews, so it identifies his voice. It can identify Alvin, uh, Dennis Allen, whatever. It just makes it easier to figure out who's talking. But whenever Mike asks a question, it thinks it's me. The same pitch and whatever, I guess. It's the nasally, the nasally Ray Romano, uh, Ray Romano voice. So, just fun fact, Mike. Which, which amusingly, too, uh, everyone loves Raymond. He was a sports reporter. Yes, yes, yes. The, the uh, New York Daily News. Yeah. <laughs> 
So it actually works for my favor because people will think I'm like at press conferences that I'm not at because they think, oh, that must be or I can claim it. Anyway. You're everywhere, bro. <laughs> no, he is. <laughs> I'm here a majority of the time. Uh, I, I don't live the state of Louisiana, unfortunately. But, you know, there's a few other things that I thought were interesting there. So one is that he wears the white tape on the back of his arms, right? Like that's a pretty common thing now. And, and I don't know if it used to be back six, seven years ago, right? He wears that because of Alvin Kamara, which he said today, which I thought was kind of interesting because you do see it a lot now. And I don't recall, you know, maybe you saw it on a couple guys, but I don't recall it being a common thing. But now like you see a lot of running backs with that like white tape on the back of their arms. And he, he took that from Alvin, which I thought was kind of neat. Yeah. So obviously, you know, it's a, he, he mentioned this to a guy, obviously he looked up to um, or made it, uh, tried to, you know, study him. Emulate. And why, why wouldn't you want to look at those moves like Alvin Kamara, we, which we haven't seen the, you know, the razzle dazzle part this season. No. Um, but. For whatever, for whatever reason. I mean, it's been all, there hasn't been razzle dazzle much anywhere. The closest no. razzle dazzle I've seen is Rashid Shahid. Yes, he dazzles and he razzles. <laughs> it's funny that you say razzle dazzle because I, when I was growing up, this is a non-sports story. When I was growing up, I had a dog. His name was R.D. It was his initials, R.D., but we adopted him and we had no idea what the initials stood for. Like literally just the letters R.D. Were, were the name of this dog. And we took him to the vet and he was like, R.D., what does that stand for? I'm like, we don't know. And he was like, you should call him razzle dazzle. <laughs> Boom, there you go. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, so, yes, that was uh, anyway, R.D., razzle dazzle. Um, but no, so this is uh, it's it's late, guys. It's late. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I think I wasn't sure what to expect from, you know, that was kind of my, where I was going with that. Not the RD thing. The thing I said earlier, I wasn't sure what to expect from, you know, in terms of like, yeah, this guy did force himself off of two different teams, or at least, you know, I don't know if he was actively trying to force himself off two different teams, but in the end, that was the result. And, you know, one of those questions that Mike asked, it wasn't me was, can you tell us like what happened there? And he said, no, like he wasn't willing to go into it, but he did say like, yeah, when when I went on waivers, I didn't know who was going to be interested, but I saw the list of teams that talked to my agent. The Saints were on there. I, like, I wanted to be on the Saints. Yeah, he flat out told Lovey, I, I don't want to be here. Right. So like, I th- I'm not I'm not worried about the locker room issue because he wants to be here. Like, I'm, I guarantee you, one of the reasons he did not work out in Houston was he did not want to be there. Right. He was probably like a couple days away from from sending out a tweet from a from a, from a salon like eric bledsoe right yeah i don't want to i don't want to be here anymore like like that's it's not that difficult for a guy to just be like to to malcontent his way out of a locker room he doesn't want to be in and and it shouldn't be like if you don't want to be somewhere you shouldn't be held hostage and so yeah so hopefully this is a good fit for him and i think it will be i think his skill set matches up when we ask pete pete doesn't get excited about stuff Pete Carmichael, like he doesn't, he doesn't light up about basically anything, but we asked him about, Eno, and you know, he, he got his big grin on his face. Like he's clearly a guy that this team likes and they, they're a big fan of what he can do. And, you know, he did run for 92 yards against them uh, like seven weeks ago. So, you know, they, they got a good look at him. Um, and then yeah. everybody looked over their fantasy football rosters going, does anybody have this guy? And then he never really did much anything else in Arizona. Did he after that? No, not really. <laughs> just, uh, when, uh, just the game of his life against the saints. Well, I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure that's a big part of why he was upset and why he's no longer on that team because he didn't get any other opportunities. Even though he, you know, when you run for seven, when you average seven point seven yards a carry in a game that you win, 
against a team that is presumably has a good defense, you know, I think you've, you've earned, you know, it's like, it, it would be like if Tony Pollard never got any, any run in Dallas, despite being objectively, you know, on par with Zeke Elliott the last few years. And they were just like, no, 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 Zeke's the guy, Zeke's the guy. Sorry, Tony, go, go hang out on the bench. Like you don't do that. And so Pollard's got to be like a fantasy MVP category this year, huh? Right, because the Cowboys identified that he was too good to not work into the game plan, like not as an RB two, as a as like a co RB one, as like a right, full right, exactly. And uh, you know, like more and more teams are doing that, and that's but like you know Cliff Cliff would not would not be on my list of the the, the smartest smartest coaches uh, in the in the league. Let's, let's put it that way. Like he's kind of a dumb dumb. Well, he seems to have like completely i don't want to say lost his quarterback but they're, they're definitely not a great relationship yeah, i mean they're fighting all the time you know i, I haven't they're watched the show to... on hbo yet have you the cardinals the in season, season? no yeah. I didn't. no i didn't watch that but all right let's wrap up that segment there uh, and we're going to come back with bo morgan of the peachtree football podcast and uh, get the lowdown on the falcon going into this week 15 matchups of the have-nots All right, y'all, stick around on Inside Black and Gold. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. And as promised, we have with us, yes, Bo Morgan, executive producer of Falcons Radio Network and host of Peachtree Football Podcast. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. How you doing, Bo? It's, Good, uh, guys. How are y'all? Good. As you mentioned before we came on, it's cold and I am suffering, but you'll get to witness this uh, this weekend. So, uh, you know, you, 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 you've you got it on tap. You know, Atlanta's coming to town. Suddenly we get, we're getting tornadoes here. Well, that never happens. <laughs> tornadoes and a cold snap. Atlanta's coming. It's always funky when we go down. There's always something going on, but you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to start off like this, but I guess I will. You know, it, it, I, I do like, I do like Bourbon Street better when it's a little bit chilly, because when it's warm outside, it could be a little rough on the nose. Yes, yes. When the, when that, the water that's not water gets baking in the sun, um, it's not good for anybody. So yeah, I, I can appreciate that. You got booze, excrement, and who knows what else? Blood, Just bad stuff. Just bad stuff. Yeah. We were down there. What was it? I think it was. Um... Geez, it might have been 13. It might it was a long time ago. Uh we opened the season against you guys and we get down there and uh we're staying down downtown cuz you know sometimes you stay at the airport. We were staying downtown that year and our sideline reporter and me went to we went out to dinner and we found a restaurant on Bourbon Street and they had an upstairs and they had a opened outside seating. We walked out to sit outside and I was like, "Nah, dude, I ain't doing this. We got to sit inside." <laughs> This smell is too bad because it's September down there. It's still it's still summer, you know. Yeah, yeah. I I rarely go to Bourbon Street, but I was actually out there a couple days ago because I had friends in town. That's really like when you live here, you really just can't go to Bourbon Street unless you have someone from out of town. Otherwise, you just you you have a problem. <laughs> but yeah, I was down there. It's a good time. Still, still, still doing stuff. One of the thing that I thought was funny is people started putting up stickers with QR codes that say "So and So's getting married. Yeah. Send him, send him a drink." But it was like that's he's probably divorced by now. Like it's probably been up there for so long. Uh, I wonder if he's still getting like Venmo, uh, Venmo five dollars. Anyway, 
That's a good idea. I might, uh, I might do that. I might make some stickers real quick. Yeah, supplement your income. <laughs> I love it. It's a good right, idea. So I do want to get this out of my system first, and I don't want this to be a completely trolling podcast, although it might be better to do that than actually talk about the state of these two football teams. Um, but I will say my favorite troll of all time between the Saints and the Falcons was, if you remember when they blew up the Georgia Dome. Yes. Okay. And yep. so you remember the bus that parked in front of the live, the live feed? Yeah, the Marta bus. So Atlanta. <laughs> so the next time the Falcons were in the Superdome, they were doing the player introductions. And so they showed him running out onto the field on the on the bit the scoreboard. And then they had a bus coming like park in front of him so you couldn't see it. <laughs> and it was the best roll of all time. I, I still think about it and laugh. Um, it's just the pettiness in this rivalry is one of the best parts of it, in my opinion. I always enjoy it. It's it's fun. Even when the teams are bad, it's fun. I can't remember what year it was because I've uh, I've traveled with the team since 12. But we were down there one year. And we've got a uh, – he now works for the Atlanta United. He's kind of runs their digital department. But he used to run the Falcons digital. So he's a you know, A&B group, you know, kind of let heritage guy. He's worked there for years. And his name's Matt Moore. You guys had some kind of flag or something on the field. And obviously it said Saints on it, but it, for some reason it had been folded to where it just said Aints. Yeah. And so he takes the picture, tweets it out from the social and everything. And so that picture is still circulating between Falcons fans. So whenever we play the Saints, it's like that picture gets posted. It's Aints. And I mean, personally, because we don't, they don't, as much as you guys give us crap on your big, and you know, <laughs> the, the scoreboard and everything, and, and, and you rolled out, some kind of dancers one year or something on the field. That's the one for me that always, I always go back for us because we don't do that for some reason. And I mean, I like, again, I don't, I, I, I'm with you. I don't want to make this, uh, you know, just tit for tat, but I like to think we're a classy organization and you guys, you know, are the Yanks. And so but we don't do it for some reason. And honestly, I'd like a little more of it on our end, but I also understand it. I just think the passion of, the fan base here is pretty nutsical and sometimes in the craziest of ways, but yeah, Petty was the, the perfect way to put it. And I think that even grew more with Sean Payton around, obviously that pettiness. Oh, he, well, he, I'm not going to sit here and talk about how much I love Sean Payton. Cause I despise the man as a coach, but he embraced, he embraced the, 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 the rivalry and absolutely. And yeah, the, the choke thing to Devontae, and by the way, we won that game. But right. you know, the, the, all those things, you know, it, it's great. And I get, I've been to. There's only one stadium I got to check off, other than the new Allegiant Field in in, in Vegas, because we, you know, none of none of us had a chance to do that yet. But I went to all the other stadiums, even Oakland, Alameda Coliseum, like, and then I've been asked multiple times, what's the what's the what stadium is the is the is the worst place to go play? And everybody goes, I bet it's Seattle. And I'm like, yeah, Seattle's great. Nothing is worse than the Superdome when it's when when you get that place rocking. Especially how many night games have we played against each other there? You get what 70,000 Saints fans or Cajuns or whatever you want to say about you know you guys get liquored up all day. And that place gets rocking, and you get Falcon Saints in there. There is not a better environment if you're a Saints player or fan, or a worse environment if you're an opposing you know team to go in there. I have always respected how you guys get it rocking and and really just take it to another level. 
you know, but that being said, uh, it, I also hate going there and for, a, for, for a number of reasons, the radio booth, the press box, uh, all right. that stuff, the locker room sucks. I mean, you got to walk across the field to get to you, to get up to where you got to go. But, but that place, it, there's, it's, there's definitely respect for what you guys, uh, produce as a home field advantage. I was in Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the uh, SEC Championship, and it's the only oh, stadium go, right? that I've ever been to that gives you Chick-fil-A after the game <laughs> for in the press box. I'm just like, this is fantastic. I can't even get – I get we get like mystery meat up in the Saints press box. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Uh, I always uh, I always try to eat at the hotel before uh, we go to the, the, uh, the stadium. But, you know, hey, when we we experienced that with the with the Georgia Dome, we had uh, – it was like it was this. It was they used to try to mix and match, and I think whenever the Saints would come, we'd get like chicken booyah, and I'm like, what the hell is chicken booyah? I mean, the people in New I've been in New Orleans a lot. They don't eat. I've never heard of chicken booyah down there. I've never seen it on a on a on a menu. I don't know what it was awful, but Sounds now the bench we got we got good food now. Well, I think that is that is one of the issues is the stadium is so old that the food service makes it a little more difficult where they are renovating it for the Super Bowl in a couple of years. So that should help. Anyway, this, we're not here to talk about the food offerings at the at the domes that we that we go to respectively, even though, again, it's like, eh. so I do have a question. So this year for the Saints, it's just been this constant like, well, they suck, but so does everyone else in the NFC South. And it's like, well, if they win this week, if they're all of a sudden they're right there and and I think that's that honestly makes it more frustrating because I think every team in the NFC South should be tanking to some extent. Like every team in the NFC South should be like, you know what? We're not going to win this year. But because of everything, like the Falcons this week, it, it feels like the Saints are out of it now with the loss of the Bucks. They're 4-9. They don't have the tiebreaker. So like it, it, it does feel like the only reason they're still pushing as hard as they are is because they have no first round pick. But for the Falcons, like it very much feels like five and eight. They're right in it. it is that how it feels for that fan base as well? No, I mean, uh, I, I would say some of us, yeah, but the, but there's been a majority of the fan base that's w- wanted to do exactly what you just said. And, well, let's just let's just get Ritter in there and see what we got. And you know, why, why are we trying to get a good draft pick? And or or why are we trying to win games and not get a good draft pick? I should say. And and that's been a that's been one of the things that's kind of bugged me about it is, you know. I get the fans' perspective about well, let's get a good draft pick. I don't give a damn about a draft pick. I want to win games. You know, I'm I'm invested, and I, I would like to think a lot of the fans that pay money to go see the team want to win games. The I think the problem for Falcons fans, though, to, to answer the question is they none of them wanted to see Mariota. Everybody fell in love with that. Well, we got a draft pick. It's third round. He's Russell Wilson, the next one, the Seattle version, not the Denver version, and. uh <laughs> So that's where the mindset's been that we really want to, we really want this guy. We want to see him. And the coach told you all year, as long as the quarterback is giving us a chance to win games, which he has to an extent all year, and we're in this, we're not making a change. And the Steelers game was the first game where he really was the difference in a negative way to an extent. And so you made the change. So now everyone's kind of excited again to see what what we're going to get and what's going to happen. But it does for some of us there is a chance. I mean, I have told you guys, you got to win you got to you need to win four straight, but you win 3 or 4 and you win the right three, all conference games, yeah. and you get teams to lose, you know, like Tampa's got to what Cincinnati, I think this week. I don't know if they're I don't that that seems like Cincinnati for me to win that. And Carolina uh 
I want to say they've got a tough game too. So things could line up where you really could backdoor into this thing at eight and nine or seven and ten. But uh, but a lot has to happen, and I think most of the fans have been ready to move on just because they wanted to see Ritter more than anything. You know, the wild thing is, if it wasn't for that missed extra point from the Panthers against y'all, they would be they would be winning this division right now. Yeah, well, I would even go back and blame it on DJ Moore yes. for acting like a, a selfish a selfish player and taking his helmet off and celebrating uh, a busted coverage where your quarterback just threw it on a dime and you just ran through the, you know, you ran it. I mean, it was, it was good on that. Good on all of them. But DJ Moore is really to me to blame for that. That game was so weird too. That was one of those, that was a Halloween weekend game and it, it really acted like it. This Falcons team somehow caused the 49ers to start uh, they're, they're only two games stumble of the season. How the heck did the Falcons pull out a win over this beast that we saw towards Tampa Bay? And just recently, you know, the Saints went out to San Fran and got shut out. Well, look, we got we did get have some luck there and we got kind of a, a bruised up San Francisco team. Bosa was out in that game. <clears throat> they had some injuries, but. Honestly, the formula for the Falcons early in the season and what helped them stay in games, and they've been in every game but the Cincy game, but helped them really win games was let's play ball control, let's run the ball, let's kind of take possessions away from the opposing team, and it really helped them stay in games and win games. And they they were they dominated uh, the running game, and they got they got a they got a turnover as well. I think they went up fourteen nothing in that game, and one of those was a. San Francisco turned the ball over. Uh, the Niners have since gotten healthy. They've gotten uh, they've added weapons and they've gotten some of their, their their good defensive players back. So it was kind of timing and just playing. You played to your strengths is what the Falcons have done all year is played to their strengths, and that really helped them. And it's a it's a it's a big it's the the best win right now that we have uh we have on this uh, uh, on the schedule. That's the best one, and I don't know if. Any win will top it, other than maybe, you know, beating Tampa for the division on in January. But other than that, it it just they just they were able to play their game and keep the ball away and take advantage of kind of a banged up defense. So yeah, one of the reasons I haven't really been feeling the need to go too deep into the, the players involved because we've already seen this team once this year. So you know, I feel like there's decent familiarity. But I think one good way to approach it is so. What, you know, if you can pick, you know, one thing on offense and defense of like, okay, what's different other than Desmond Ritter? He's exempted because we already know about that. What's changed? You know, what's different from week one to week 15 on this Falcons team that, you know, we're going to see this weekend? Well, I went back and I was looking and I was doing some prep uh, just for the game and, and for Peachtree football. And when we played in week one, Tyler Algier wasn't a factor. Um, Caleb Huntley was on the practice squad and your, your running backs were Cordero Patterson and Damian Williams. Damian Williams got two carries. Remember he got hurt on like the first mm-hmm. carry of the game, never played again for the team, went on the IR the next week and he's since been released. But CP had 22 carries for 120 yards. And while I think he needs to be involved more, I don't think you'll see him get 22 carries. I think you're going to, you know, hopefully he's going to be an X factor, but not only in the run game, but the passing game as well. So I would tell you that the running game is better now, even though they ran uh, for, I think, like 140 or something yards. 
the running game is actually better because you have a three-headed monster now. So offensively, and and you know, you could I could say the absence of Kyle Pitts, but to me, it's the the strength of the running game and the fact that you have three guys that you can depend on. And so CP won't just get it 20, 25 times like he did in week one. You know, the for defense, the 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 defense has been better at bend don't break uh down the stretch here. But the problem for me is the defense has also been gashed in the running game. Going into the Steelers game, and I haven't pulled the exact numbers, but going into the Steelers game, they had the last three games they had played, they were giving up 189 yards on the ground, which is just wow. a that's just a huge number. I think they gave up that game somewhere around 160 or 150. So the defense's inability to stop the run has been a uh, has been a has, has been a negative thing because it's shortened games. But I'd like to think this defense is a you know they played well against they got four sacks against Jameis in Week One, and so I I would I hate to say this but I think you can go positive and hey this defense has been really good at bending and not breaking over the last month of the season. But to me, a lot of that's been on limited possessions and and uh, the fact that the Falcons play a, a game that limits possessions and teams have kind of flipped that on them. So the inability to stop the run has been a big deal for me, and I hope that that's something that they can fix. But I'll go positive because, you know, that's what we want to do. The bend but not break of the defense has really helped this team stay in games. This is a Saints podcast. You can go negative. We won't mind. Hey, I can't, I can't, I can't go – on a, a Saints podcast and be negative <laughs> against my team because, you know, there's there's hatred that I have to uphold, all right? Yes, yes, that's fair. It seems, though, there's uh, been a bunch of positive vibes with the head coach. I wonder how the fan base feels about Arthur Smith. Are they believing in what he's doing over there? And I know we're, we're big fans here of your GM, Terry Fontenot, who comes over from the Saints. Really just a stand-up guy that – you see had a bright future in the NFL. Unfortunately for us, it's in Atlanta, but it's hard to root against Terry. And just, just in general, what do you feel about, you know, what's been building at least in Atlanta right now? The, the hope, I guess, for, for the future there. Well, I'll start with Terry because that's where you ended. Um, Terry's what I've been so impressed about with Terry is to go find guys off, you know, the, 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 the scrap heap, essentially. You yeah. know, we got a guy, Abdul Anderson, is a guy that's been in – he's 26 years old. He came out of, in 18, and he I think he went with Chicago. He's a college free agent. Guy's starting D-tackle for us, you know. And he, at times, is is it really has some big moments. So I really love the fact that Terry has been able to find these diamonds in the rough. We've got a lot of one-year guys, uh, one-year contract guys like, like Rashawn Evans um, that's been out here that's, that's played well. This is – the thing that's been uh, impressive for me about Terry and Arthur is they're working with, I think, 76 or $80 million in dead cap. And they've put a team that's in where it's December 15th, and we're talking about a divisional game that really matters for definitely us, but but both both teams to an extent. Now, a lot of that's because of the, the inability of this division to, to be produce a team that's good at all. But just that we're here – and I think that's been a lot of what has been so impressive about Arthur Smith. There's been three games in the Arthur Smith regime that have been completely unwinnable, that you've just been blown out in. And it was two last year and only one this year. 
Arthur has been able to take a team playing without a full deck of cards in some way, financially speaking, and he's been able to put an offense on the field that has helped you be competitive, whatever you think about Marcus Mariota and whatever has happened with that situation. But this team has been competitive, and they so- and everyone thought they were being sold a bill of goods when in the introductory press conference with Terry and Arthur where they said, we're not rebuilding. We don't consider this rebuilding. And all this fan base and a lot of this media was out here going, what are you talking about? He had an aging quarterback. This is before our, you know, high paid receiver was traded off for, by the way, way more than we should have gotten for him based on what he's done since he left here. And people have kind of seen that and been impressed with it. And I, and, and, They've gotten some draft picks in here that have made some impacts. Now, you know, what would you do? They made impacts if, you know, this team had money to spend. I don't know. But the the fact that this team has been competitive and it really looks like they're building a base or a foundation, that's people like that. People think Arthur Smith is a good coach. Some people were upset they didn't go to Desmond Ritter sooner, but it's because he's been so good in keeping this team competitive. And it's, I think we have a really good coach, and I'm not comparing, but if you look at Mike Smith and Dan Quinn, those were really nice guys, and they they won. They, they won, no doubt about it. They didn't win enough, but they won. But they were guys that were easy to be around. You kind of big personality. Arthur has came in here, and he's very to the point, which I love. That kind of reminds me of, my personality in some ways, according to what people tell me, but he's no nonsense, guys. He's here for football, and he doesn't – he's a football coach, and he reminds me a little bit of Sean Payton with that no-nonsense kind of attitude that he's got, whereas I thought I, – and I'm, I'm a big DQ fan. I still talk to DQ to, the, to this day, but he was uh, – you know, he's a friendly guy. He was a fun guy, and he, he knew how to – he wanted to – he would be personal, where Arthur, not saying he's not – but it's football, 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 and I I like that. I think people have been impressed with that as well. All right, so a couple a couple things going to rattle off here uh, before I, before I let you go. The first thing is, you know, when I when I saw the Falcons' kind of inexplicable commitment to Marcus Mariota, it really did remind me of the Saints' inexplicable commitment to Andy Dalton throughout the season. And I was like, you know what, this makes sense. And now they went to Desmond Ritter, and now everything is – I'm confused. I don't get it anymore. But we're still going to see Andy Dalton. Another one, Tyler Algier. All season – I even had him on my fantasy roster at one point this season. But in my head, I pronounced it Allgaier. And then I, I watched a Falcons game, and they said Algier. And I was like, well, wait, that's how you say it? And the reason that's funny to me is because there is a place here called Algiers – and I still was saying it the wrong way. <laughs> okay. I told you, this is rapid fire. Jalen Dalton um, on the Falcons now. He was a player that was on the Saints last year. And I think he was going to make the roster. He actually had a really good preseason. And the final preseason game, I think he had a sack, a couple stuffs. He came up and did a press conference. Everyone's like, man, you were great. What happened? Blah, blah, blah. And the next day he goes on injured reserve, like a torn tricep. And that's the end of his season. And it's like, he didn't even know. That's how tough that guy is. So I'm glad he found a home out in Atlanta. Final note, tickets as low as $26 for this game. Oh, geez. So we're going to get it. We're going to get a preseason crowd. Dark this is going to be really liquor. You guys, boy, that, it's going to be a rowdy crowd. That's that's amazing. That See, that hurts my heart because – It's sad, isn't it? 
I want my stadium to be packed with red and black and ready to go when the Aints come to town. And and I expect to come down there and have and, and feel the exact same thing. Uh, you guys packed it out in, in, in a loud atmosphere. But that makes me feel good about Desmond Ritter's first start. Jalen Dalton impressed me um, this year in preseason. I was surprised he didn't make the roster to begin with. Uh, but he he did he did find his way back here. Uh, he's he's a he's a he has moments, but he's not consistent, is what I've seen. So it, it's been fun. And, and by the way, they wanted to bring Desmond Ritter along and make sure he was ready. They were trying to win games at the same time. They weren't losing right. games because of Marcus. Um, it, it was a team effort. Now, but when the Steelers game really was an eye opener because. The, Pittsburgh brought nine guys in the box. They were playing it. Sometimes they had both safeties down. And you got to throw against those. And they gave Marcus in that first half a real opportunity to throw the ball around and find – and guys were open, and he couldn't connect. And then he you, – you start running heavy. He plays a little better in the second half. You have a chance to win the game. He throws it high to Drake London in the end zone. You don't get the P.I. call. You kick the field goal. Touchdown puts you ahead. Now it's, I think, 19-16. You get the ball back. First play, you're deep in your own possession. He forces the ball downfield in a, in a spot he shouldn't have, and Minka Fitzpatrick was sitting there and baited him. He lost you that game, mm-hmm. and that was when you, you the moment, that was when Arthur probably said, you lost the game. You didn't help us win the game. We've got now. Now it's time to move on and see. You know, let's let's see what the kid can do if he cannot lose us the game. That's the way I felt about it. As long as Marcus didn't lose games, you were gonna you, you were gonna stay with him because you were still in it. And then he said, "Oh, my knee." Yeah, that's that has been a highly uh, debated thing. What is going on? Um, it's unfortunate that that's yeah. the way his time ended here. I got to know Marcus a little bit while I was here, you know, just traveling and being around. And he was class act, uh, you know, seemed like a leader on the team. And, and, the, and the, the locker room, I think that's another thing, by the way, the locker room was always behind him. Yeah. And for it to end that way, it just doesn't feel right. It kind of puts a sour taste in my mouth. I think some of the fan base's mouth. And um, I understand a player wanting to take care of himself. You guys know this is – uh, you know, this is a league that it'll spit you out if you don't do something for them. And so I understand taking care of your body. It's just just a weird, bad look the way that went down. And uh, it's put a put a you know sour taste in everyone's mouth. Yeah, you'd like to see him just like mentor the guy, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And look, I think he has to an extent yeah. um, with, you know, film sessions, behind the scenes kind of stuff. To me, if you wanted to have the surgery, I think you go in and say, "Look, my knee's banged up. I want to get it checked out. Um, I'll, 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 I'll stick around. You know, I'll, let's do it. Maybe like the final week, going into the final week against Tampa. Maybe let's get, let's get surgery or whatever." But I also understand taking care of yourself. I just think it, it just looks bad, and it looks like you bailed on your team. Whether you, whether you did or not, that's not my place to say. But that's how everyone's going to judge it, and. When the narrative is put out there, it's hard to knock them down. How many Zacchaeus jerseys are selling for Christmas? Well, it's Zacchaeus, I would say. And I love that kid. I love what what look, let me tell you something. That's been a fun kid to watch. They're definitely one of the best names in the NFL. Dude, 
He does. And let me say something. I my I got I produce an afternoon show and I had to get on to my guys forever because it's a llama day, <laughs> which I love saying the first name. Uh, and and um, we call him OZ sometimes for short, but it's a great name. And all he does is all he does is make plays. I wish we could get him the ball more. And I hope Desmond can find him where Marcus. Steve, do you have anything else? Uh, just, you know, coming to the Superdome, I know the Atlanta's actually had the the Saints number two of the last three times, which is it's a little odd that I guess, you know, you you switch back and forth between the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, which is now Caesar Superdome, but and then you have Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is basically, you know, Saints fans love to say they're home away from home. <laughs> is Desmond Ritter obviously the key of this team uh, or what else could be – something that takes over that you wouldn't expect in this game. We know Corderell Patterson's a danger uh, running the football, and you mentioned Algier. Could that guy be someone like a dark horse candidate for to, uh, for Atlanta in this game? Yeah, I think, I think any of these three running backs could, could kind of take over. Uh, we've seen spurts. I think it was – I can't remember if it was the Cleveland or the San Francisco game, but a guy named Caleb Huntley who was on our practice squad, he came in, and, and I believe it was the Cleveland game – and you just decided you were going to run the ball. Arthur was just decided he was going to run the ball down their throat. And Caleb Huntley had a drive where he touched the ball maybe six or seven times and had like 60 yards on the drive and just really, really took over the game. So any three of those guys could do it. But I will say this. I'm interested to see Drake London. Uh, you know, I, I, I've seen the – and I know Marshawn Lattimore is, is banged up. I'm, 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 I assume he'll try to go if he can. But I'm interested, last week, Drake had probably his best game. He didn't score a touchdown or against Pittsburgh, but he had six for 95, and he had other chances, but Marcus couldn't connect with him. So I'm interested to see the connection between him and him and Desmond. And look, I don't think that Desmond's going to throw it 40 times a game. That's not this team's not formula, right. and it's not playing to their strength. But Drake London is a guy who's kind of progressed. I think, I think the guy can really play. And maybe if Desmond can be accurate enough with some of the – some of the the deep balls with him, it I I would like to see if Drake could do something. And and you guys said I couldn't mention CP, but I'm always interested to see if we could get CP like we did last year. Of course, we had Matt throwing the ball to him there last year, but you know it's some kind of deep deep passing route with a go route or some kind of post. I'd love to see CP locked up one on one with somebody because those two those guys are are guys that I really believe in. It's amazing after, I think, what, seven, eight years in the league and all of a sudden Patterson gets unlocked in Atlanta. Well, and that's funny because when Arthur got hired, I told people, everybody said, well, he doesn't have Derrick Henry. He's nothing without a Derrick Henry. And I said, well, if you remember, Derrick Henry wasn't Derrick Henry until Arthur Smith took over as the OC. Matt LaFleur was up there, and he had him sharing carries. And the one thing I've always thought that Arthur is, is a genius at is putting the ball in, in the guy he thinks the biggest playmaker's hands and letting him do his thing. To me, that's what he did with CP. He, 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 he found a way to get the most out of him, and he still is. And that's, that's why I like the hire of Arthur Smith right off the bat, and I think that's what's happening. You're seeing that happen with, with Patterson. Now, he's, he wore down last year, got hurt this year, so he missed about four games, so he didn't have a chance to wear down. So now is a time where let's load up with CP because the the final quarter of the season's here. 
All right. So one, one more quick question. And I'm only asking because I've been trying to figure it out for like 10 minutes and I haven't been figured it out. Is Caleb Huntley related to Tyler Huntley? Uh, no. In fact, okay. Caleb Huntley, not to my knowledge, Caleb Huntley is actually from the Atlanta area. And then he ended up leaving and went, he went to Ball State. Ball but no, State. not to yeah. my knowledge, he is, they are yeah. not related. You've, you've, official. Put it on his Wikipedia page. Not related. It's actually, it's funny because <laughs> uh, we had the same conversation about Derek Gore, who is on the Saints right now, is not related to Frank Gore. And we, I was like, is this a thing? And so I Googled it. And the Google result that came up was Derek Gore is not related to Frank Gore in any way. Like, that's literally the sentence that it said. And I thought, well, well, Derek Gore could have time. As much as Frank Gore played, he probably could have been his kid. So I mean, exactly. So, I mean, Frank Gore played, I feel like, thirty years. Yeah, he is the Infinity Stone of the NFL. And Mark Ingram was that way, but he he his knee blew up, so unfortunately, <laughs> you will not be seeing him this week. But all right, Bo Morgan, very much appreciate your time. Check out his podcast, Go Behind Enemy Lines, and Peach Street Football is also the executive producer for Falcons Radio Network. This has been Inside Black and Gold. Thanks so much for your time, Bo. No, thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Had fun. See you in the Dome Sunday, man. I'll be there. Can't wait. You guys can bring me some good food. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Not the Dome food, though. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> we'll sneak it in. All right, man. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us here on this episode of Inside Black and Gold, getting you ready for Week 15, the 4-9 and nine Saints with a grudge match against the 5-8 and eight Falcons. You can throw the records out when these two teams meet up because you're going to have to have any fun watching this game. But no, I think that was a really good insight. Steve, any 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 parting thoughts before we get out of here? We're not doing anything until our pregame show on Sunday next. So we got we gotta we gotta mention at least for a short clip the Atlanta Falcons slayer Taysom Hill. He usually has monster games against the Falcons. Yeah, you should start at quarterback. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I would like heavy, heavy rotation, please. Yeah. Him and Alvin, please use use your weapons that have that juice. It will be really disappointing if the Saints lose this game. I don't know why. Like it won't change anything, but it, it will does. be a it will it be does. a bummer if you can't beat the a team starting a rookie quarterback. No, because you're you're having a crap season, and then we're gonna lose one of the last two home games, and you're gonna lo- lose to Atlanta. Right. No, that's always a slap in the face. Everyone always talking shit about the Falcons, but I really feel like there hasn't been that that angst that that, that real hatred right now because people are like ah we suck so what we're playing the falcons there hasn't been there's no memes i've i've seen flying around about the falcons at at all this year because it's it's hard to make fun of them right now and at least they've got a quarterback of the future to to try and mold well and so that's i I meant to bring it up when bo was here but that's something i'm actually concerned about you talk about how cheap the tickets are if you're sitting in atlanta and you're like oh maybe you know desmond Ritter. what if he's the quarterback of the future i want to be at his first career game I am slightly concerned that there's going to be a lot of Falcons fans at this game. That'll be interesting because you don't really think of Falcons fans traveling. No, but like you could be sitting there today on Thursday when we're recording this and saying, I can get a round trip flight for $100. I can get a ticket for $30. Like, what are you doing this weekend? Want to fly down to New Orleans for a day? Like, that's not crazy to me. No, I mean, if I, if I had the the means and I was, you know, obviously a fan, you don't need the means. It's $200. I mean, 200 <laughs> that's a, bucks that's is still, a nice that, dinner. <laughs> that, 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 that's a, that's a shot at the grocery store. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I went to Rouse's the other day and spent that much. Uh, so, I mean, I think it wouldn't surprise me at all. If you see a shitload of Falcons fans at this game, no, that, would be, I still, that would, that would make it even more depressing. 
I can't imagine seeing black and red out there in the Superdome. That would, I'll take a picture for sure. <laughs> you know, it'd be like, what's happened to the Superdome? All right, it's going to wrap it up for us here on Inside Black and Gold. Sorry if there's been any confusing breaks in this recording because we've been having some technical internet difficulties, which, you know, Cox Cable, terrible, don't sponsor us. <laughs> That's going to be it. So, uh, Steve, say goodbye. Adios, hudats. I, I don't speak. I don't speak Spanish. All right. Peace, y'all.